Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know, what's kind of funny is I don't actually know what my voice is going to sound like this week until I start recording the podcast. And I think it's a little bit better today. I still have no upper register. I can't go up much. But at least if I really want you guys to feel the gravity of what I'm saying, I think I can probably go down now. So I got One Direction. Not the band. The vocal stretch. We'll see how it goes. Maybe things will loosen up as we get partway through the podcast. But welcome to the show, regardless. Happy Friday to you all. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. And we, friends are finishing up week 10 of the NBA season. We are, as of today, about roughly 40% of the way through the NBA season. So for head-to-head leagues, you're actually a little bit farther along than that. And if your league ends early, which it probably should, you're even farther along than that, which seems insane. I feel like this just started, but we are like 65-ish days into the NBA season. Um... But here's the other side of it. I don't know if halfway through this show, my voice is going to crap out. So uh, we're going to also make this one a little bit of a lightning round. And I just I want to make sure I get everything really important dumped into it as fast as humanly possible. And then we'll take everything else over to social media, which is kind of what we've been doing all week. And it's been working okay. And I'm actually slowly getting better. I am Dan Baspris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Baspris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And in case I forget towards the end of the show, Merry Christmas, everyone. This is, of course, our last episode before the Christmas holiday, which is Sunday. Monday is a national holiday. I will be out of town until the late afternoon, but we will get an episode out to you on Monday in the late afternoon, which I know is probably not quite as helpful as usual because games uh, start at the normal time, actually, on that Monday. They're, you know, 4 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, and the show might be coming out like pretty damn close to when those games begin. But damn it, we're going to get a reverse chronological lightning round in. And this week, the reverse chronological is mostly you got the five games on Christmas Day that are lined up back to back to back to back to back. And then everybody else, including actually some of the teams that play on Christmas, goes tonight. It's a 14-game overload of a Friday. So the injury streams are actually a little bit less important today than usual because those guys you're probably using to fill in, and and today basically everyone on your team is going. So the strategy does change a little bit today through the end of the weekend. But let's dive in. It's Friday. It's a weekend review episode of Fantasy NBA Today, which means we've got ads, drops, holds, watch list guys, buys and sells, and then we take streamers over to Twitter because thankfully uh, we don't have all the injury information in the morning. I I don't know if it's thankful. Maybe it's kind of annoying. I don't know what direction you're looking at it from. But it does actually kind of help us separate from the pack that we can do that type of work over on the show, the social media side. That here in the morning, we'll get everything kind of lined up. And then as news breaks, then we can make those roster decisions for this evening. Let's start with the ads. Uh... I, you know, there are a few names in here that might end up as streamer-level plays as the preface. Uh, so let's start with the guys that are very clearly 
ads. First of all, by the way, we just got word as I'm recording the show that Wendell uh, Carter Jr. is back for the magic tonight. So hope you enjoyed the Mo Wagner stream. It was wonderful, but that is now coming to an end. You can pull him off of the streamer board, most likely. All right, so up on the ads. Uh, there are some people that are still asking me what they should do about Jalen Duran. The answer is you should be adding. He's been stellar over the last week and a half. This would now be the third Friday in a row that we've had him in the ads bucket. I don't feel like I need to go into the big explanation on him again. Just do it, for goodness sake. For the second Friday in a row, I'm going to put Nick Batum on the list. Which, that one I think maybe requires a little bit more explanation because he has been, just from a pure numbers standpoint, not super exciting. But over the last two weeks, he's number 62 in 9-cat. Having low turnovers is part of the advantage there. So on the head-to-head -head side, he's a little bit less enticing. But he's shooting 52%. He's hitting three three-pointers a ball game while doing so. 11 points, six rebounds, an assist, a steal, and half a block. We know that the blocks actually can be a little bit higher for him. We also know that if you pull out the one game in that mix where he only played 10 minutes, where basically the entire Clippers were being rested... He jumps up inside the top 50 over that stretch, and the minute-per-game number also jumps up as well. So, you know, for Batum, it's kind of a... It's a little bit like the Larry Nance thing, where we need him to be involved in competitive Clippers games, and when he is, the numbers look really good. So, again, maybe makes more sense on the Roto side. Deploy him in Clippers games that you think are going to be hotly contested. Clippers versus Sixers tonight, you assume, is going to be a damn good ball game. I don't know about Clippers at Detroit, for instance, on Monday. But Clippers Sixers, you figure it will be. So, Batum makes a lot of sense, even though maybe he doesn't make sense as a stretch five. So, you have to weigh a lot of things out with him. But I'm going to put him on the ads board because overall he has, despite a couple of games in there where he hasn't been able to play as much, he's been... Like I said, top 70 over the last two weeks, and that should be good enough to start. So those are the repeaters. We got a repeater tax on Duran and Batum. The The new names on the ads board uh, are Victor Oladipo, who was on the watch list last Friday, and now he's on the ads board because we've seen him consistently play more than 30 minutes, which isn't so much about me knowing that they're going to give him all those minutes, but rather that his body can even take it. But that's three games in a row. Mind you, he did take the back-to-back -back off, and that'll keep happening the rest of the year, so that's going to be a little bit annoying. For instance, uh, New Year's Eve, he'll have the day off. Uh, but otherwise, 30-plus minutes, yeah, some guys have been out for these games, but it feels like he's a guy that they're kind of trying to shoehorn into high 20s at the very least, and he's been going nuts in the steals department in those contests while really not shooting the ball all that well. I'd like to say that I'm confident the shot will regress to a mean of some kind, but I actually don't know that that's the case. Because this is a, a player where injury has completely derailed things. And yeah, you know, there were stretches in his career where he shot 42, 44, 47% different seasons. He's only at 40 this year. Last two weeks, he's at 42. I, frankly, I'm, I'm okay with 42 on Oladipo. I don't know that it's going to get any better. I, But the Giants' steals number 
and just the giant minutes number lately are enough for me to move him into the ad department and just kind of see how this thing goes. Keegan Murray is the last name on this list that is not sort of teetering on the stream situation. He's been a lot better lately, as you'd expect from rookies. Last two weeks, he's number 117, while not shooting the free throw very well. The thing we need to see, Adam Murray, that I just don't know is going to happen this year is anything besides being basically just a floor spacer for Demonis Sabonis. Because over the last week, he's actually hitting four and a half three-pointers per game. But it's 34 minutes per ball game also. Two rebounds, a third of an assist, 0. .3. 0. .7 steals, 0. .3 blocks, almost no turnovers, and then 63% at the free throw line. I, I just, I don't know how, I don't know how he finds the other stuff in his fantasy game this year to tap into any of that upside that, some folks drafted him for. Not us, because we know, don't draft rookies. They get overdrafted. I did say I was going to soften my stance on rookie big men, but there hasn't really been, I guess Jalen Duran is the, the rookie big man that's, and Walker, no, Walker Kessler was around for, it was a previous year, right? He's a second year guy. Uh, Jalen Duran is kind of your example, and even with him, he wasn't a guy getting drafted anyway. Rookie big man. Rookie big man that can shoot free throws is actually the real soft spot, but there hasn't truly been that kind of guy. It would have been Chet Holmgren, but then Liz Frank and all that stuff. Uh, Back to Keegan Murray. First of all, I've got all these rants about Keegan Murray and fantasy players being uh, led down weird paths, but we're going to save all that stuff until I actually have a, a working voice. Again, the issue here is he's really not doing anything besides hitting three-pointers. He has the ability to do other stuff. But the way the Kings operate, every rebound, basically, is going to Demonis Sabonis. And the ones he doesn't get are being split relatively evenly among De'Aaron Fox, who's a pretty good rebounding point guard, Kevin Herter, who's a relatively tall shooting guard, Harrison Barnes, who he and Murray are kind of small forward, power forward, interchangeable. And so Keegan's not getting any. He's not getting any blocks. He's not getting any steals. He's an ad only because he's starting to show signs of waking up, but the upside there is very limited, and you're looking more at top 100, which to me makes him just barely above the watch list. Barely. Maybe more of a schedule stream play than anything else, but he's he's very close, and so I wanted to kind of just drop him in there, mostly so that we could talk about him. The other names on this board I think are... are they might be sort of streamy related. Aaron Neesmith on the Pacers has been granted a few more starts lately, but Rick Carlisle was very clear that it's not necessarily a permanent thing, that some of it is matchup related. When he gets the start, it seems like he's streamable, but I'm going to go ahead and add him because I think on the head-to-head side, if he's starting you know, two out of every three games or three out of every four games, that's probably going to be enough in a, a four-game week, say. So if the schedule's not brutal, that would probably be enough on the head-to-head side. And then with Roto, you can make your call late in the game. If he gets the start, you could probably drop him in there. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is back on the ads board. He's going to be someone that's an ad and a drop a couple times throughout the year. Basically, as he gets warm, he becomes an ad. As he gets cold, he becomes a drop. Early in the year, he was very much an ad. About four or five weeks into the season, he became a very clear drop. 
and over the last two weeks, he's been warm again, and so he's been inside the top 100, and that makes him an ad. But he could very easily fall off in the next couple of days, frankly. So this is I, maybe I almost needed a, a category on today's show called temporary ads, and KCP is one of them, and Neesmith is one of them. Uh, Herb Jones is the next name on the list. He's probably a temporary ad. Also, he may be the Herb Jones like recent mini push here could very well be tied to the fact that Brandon Ingram is still out. And then Zion was out in their last ball game and Larry Nance was out in their last ball game. So he may end up as a streamer, but I'm putting him in the ads department here because if it sticks, you want to kind of be out in front of it. If I give it like a 15% chance. And maybe I should have put that in parentheses on the tweets I was sending out. So people know like, Oh, what do they think? Dan, what do you think the odds are that this is something that actually works pretty low? Uh, I will say that the last name here on the ads board is someone that I think maybe has a slightly higher than 15% chance. Uh, and that's Jeremy Sohan, who has not a great fantasy game. So that's the the real issue there. But it does make sense for the Spurs to give him a little bit more to do. Now, in terms of like what are we basing some of this ad on, it's really one good ball game. So that's the the big downside. 23-9 and 6 he had on Thursday night with no Keldon Johnson around. But as you look at his numbers, the fantasy stuff isn't really there for Sohan. Now in so far this year he's played 24 minutes per ball game and he's only at 8 points, 4 and a half rebounds, 2 and change assists, less than a steal, less than half a block, 50% at the free throw line, 46 and a half percent from the field. There just really isn't anything there to get super excited about. But we saw glimpses of it on Thursday night. Does he need guys out in front of him for it to stick? Probably. Will those guys likely be back? Probably. I think this one maybe has about a 20% chance of sticking, but he's on the ads board because, again, just like with Herb Jones, if it's something that makes sense, you want to just be a little bit in front of it. I think you probably end up dropping him, just to be clear. Or whoever else might have picked him up on a whim. But you kind of don't want to miss it. If it sticks. Which it probably won't. I haven't uh, done a shout-out to our buddies at Manscaped in a while, so I, I should probably slip that in on this podcast. I know my voice has been so beat up all week. I keep using that as an excuse. Uh, but go check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. Ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get at manscaped.com. Perfect Christmas presents. Probably a little bit late now. If you want to get them delivered before Christmas, that's probably not going to happen. But hey, why not run a little bit late with your Christmas present and just make sure it's the best one you could possibly get over at manscaped.com. Promo code ETHOS20. Easy peasy. All right, back to our lightning round before my voice gives free. Drops. Sadiq Bay. Do I need to go into details on that one? He's been pretty terrible. Uh, his minutes are no longer seemingly guaranteed, and he's outside the top 200 the last two weeks. Bye-bye. Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. I've gotten a lot of pushback on this one, but he's been atrocious this year. Outside the top 150 in starters-level minutes where I keep looking at things like, oh, well, the free throw percent should probably regress upward, or maybe the field goal percent should probably come up a little bit. 
but it just continues to not do so. Your other option with Hayward, if you don't want to go full drop, is to bench him and see if it ever comes around and just sort of squat on him for a while and treat it almost like a luxury stash to some degree. But I just, I don't see it. I, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're adding Gordon Hayward, you're doing it on name. And I, I would beg of you to please watch some Charlotte Hornets basketball games right now. He looks slow and confused. And I don't know if it's the sh- being out of shape or what, like maybe he could play himself into shape and maybe that's the solution to what's going on here. But he's just, he's just a train wreck out there after about two good games to start the year when the rest of the NBA kind of got up to full speed and then he didn't. I can't say I fully understand it, uh, but he's just been—he's just been terrible. And the other drops, Bones Highland. I don't think I need to walk my well, anybody through that one. He's just not even getting minutes anymore, and that team doesn't even have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. lately, and still he's not playing very many minutes. So that one should be a pretty easy agree from all of you uh, guys. And then I feel like I need to drop this one in there, mostly be, to just like keep hammering it. But everybody on the Thunder, that's not guaranteed starters minutes. And actually, you can include Lou Dort in that, who does have starters minutes, but just has terrible, terrible fantasy game. So Shea, obviously, he's someone you're playing because, you know, first rounder. I think you can continue to probably at least hold Josh Giddy because uh, there's some upside built in there. Points, rebounds, assists, that kind of stuff. He hasn't really been getting any steals. You hope maybe that comes around. Maybe the free throw percent comes around. Maybe the turnovers decrease a little bit. Like there's outlines with Giddy of someone who could find his way to fantasy value. There's enough there to hold on to it, but not the rest of these guys. Their minutes are in flux. Their fantasy games aren't very good. Just leave the roulette wheel alone. I promise you will feel better mentally if you do so. I assure you. Tough holds trying to get through this thing. Larry Nance Jr. And there's all these arguments about why you should or shouldn't hold on to Larry Nance. The answer is you should, but I also get it because on the head-to-head side, his not infrequent injuries are a real pain in the butt. He always ends up sort of finding his way out for two or three games every few weeks. That's the Larry Nance way. For Roto, there's no reason to drop. He's inside the top 80 in 23 minutes per ball game. That's when you include the games at the beginning of the year where he really wasn't getting that many minutes and kind of playing his way into game shape. Since he's been seeing more consistent run, he's more like a top 50 fantasy play. And people are like, oh, well, turnovers are part of the good stuff. Yeah, they're part of it, but the steals are good, the blocks are good, the field goal percent is good, the rebounds are fine, the assists are pretty good for a big man. There's actually a lot to like about Larry Nance. Uh, He's very much a hold on the roto side. On the head-to-head side, you have a little bit of a tougher call. Jakob Pertl is a hold. I'm hoping that they slowly increase his minutes. I actually don't know if they're going to, but we should at least kind of see this to the point where maybe they might. Mike Conley is a hold for now. He's I'm running out of patience a little bit with Conley here, coming back from injury. He just seems to be kind of refusing to actually take any shots, which is fine. He's just sort of like the school bus driver right now, and when he plays, they're a much better team because he keeps them organized. But I'd like him to do some stuff. So, tough hold right now, but it's not an indefinite one. Bobby Portis. Got some questions about whether 
Joe Ingles coming back was going to ruin Bobby Portis. I think we're talking more about a situation where uh, a guy just had a couple of games where his minutes were a little bit down. I don't think you can blame that sort of explicitly on Ingles. It does give the Bucks another player they can use in that spot, but Portis is playing more towards the front court anyway. Giannis at center is kind of the other option there. I think they'd prefer not to if they don't have to. Uh, and Bobby's still inside the top 100 on the year. So you're holding on. Bogdan Bogdanovich is a hold. His role is is taking a big hit with DeJounte Murray and John Collins back. But I think he's still going to do enough to be inside the top 100. And now the toughest of the holds, the three toughest holds, and frankly the ones where I don't know that my argument's even going to really resonate all that much. Markel Fultz is a hold. I'm really still not certain that he stays inside the cut line over the entire year. Uh, in starters minutes, he's still sitting like near that 170 range. I think you're holding here just to kind of see what the next few weeks bring. Can he have a three-week stretch, say, where he's inside the top 100? I believe the answer is probably not, but we're going to hold a little bit longer to find out. Isaiah Stewart. I think he falls probably more in the schedule stream department, which, again, like as far as holds go, that's not the worst place to be. And in head-to-head leagues, that can actually be somewhat relevant. But he's more like 170 the last two or three weeks, and then he'll bounce back up and have like a top 100 week. Is there a way that Stewart, Beef Stew in Detroit can have a three-week stretch where he's a startable fantasy player in a row? I think the answer might be no, but I think we also need to hold on just to make sure because there just aren't that many guys out there where you're like, oh, well, I might as well just switch him for this guy. And finally, Royce O'Neal is the last one on the holds list. He just hasn't been able to shoot the ball at all lately. He's outside the top 200 over the last two weeks. That's a bad look, uh, mostly because the assists and the rebounds have disappeared for him. That was and the defensive stats, which that was kind of like four fifths of the reason he was being rostered earlier this year, along with three pointers. If he loses four of the five categories where he was contributing, then I don't know how we hold on to it. I think you just give it a little bit longer because the minutes have still been there. It does seem like he's trying to just sort of find his way with the Nets getting healthier and winning more games and him not kind of having to carry them for stretches earlier this year. And, you know, Kyrie's been mostly healthy. He missed one ball game. KD's been extremely healthy. So there hasn't really been an opening there. And Simmons has been back now for a little bit. And then you got Seth Curry and Joe Harris and TJ Warren and just everybody kind of slowly eating into what Royce was doing at the beginning of the year has pushed him outside the top 100 I think we give him probably about another week, maybe two at the absolute max, but then he could fall from that holds to the drops department. Uh, we I've already told you guys about my buy, which is Bull Bull, because I think he can be had for a top 100 range guy, and I think it costs you next to nothing. And if it doesn't pan out, who cares? It's basically like a late round draft pick at this point like you throw out a late round draft pick and if he comes back maybe he sticks to 25 26 minutes a game which would be enough for him to stay inside the top 100 maybe something crazy happens uh maybe a couple of magic players get hurt the guys that he's fighting with minutes for maybe paolo misses a couple of weeks there's a lot of ways that bull bull could actually go up sure he could keep going down but you know again kind of who cares if it costs you the type of players that we're seeing on Twitter that folks are like, oh yeah, I'll take that back for Bull Bull. If it's really costing you those types of guys, 
guys ranked, you know, 105, but have a little bit of name power, then hell yeah, you take him back. And you see what comes out of it. Because, oh no, like if you have to go the rest of the year without Ivica Zubats, you're, you're, you're not going to care. Your team isn't going to care. You're not going to care. And if you then end up going the rest of the season without Bull Bull too, if he ends up being a drop, you still won't care. But what if it sticks? What if there's like a 30% chance that he goes back up a little bit after you know, getting hit by the rigors of an NBA season? That's the way. That's To me, this is a zero-risk play. And then on the sell side, I threw Christian Wood in there, not because he has some big, gaudy, full-season numbers. He's still outside the top 100. But because lately, he had a stretch of a couple of ball games where Luka was out, then Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba were both out. Kleba's still out for another six, seven weeks, something like that. But Luka's back and Powell's back. And you saw it in, in uh, Wednesday's game where his minutes came back down to 27-28. Now, when Maxi and Powell were around, his minutes weren't even guaranteed to get that high. So at least you got a little bit of a positive bounce here with no Kleba around. But a 28-minute Christian Wood is, again, more like a best-case scenario because there's a very real chance that they switch and Wood comes off the bench behind Dwight Powell in the next two or three ball games. I'm not saying it will, but there's probably like a 50% chance that they switch back. You're talking about a guy who probably maxes out around the top 100, 28-minute Christian Wood. But he has enough name power, I believe, after a couple big ball games and a couple of starts where someone might be like, oh, good, this guy's going to start the rest of the year. I'd see if you could go get someone like Wendell Carter Jr. who's coming back right now, and people might be a little bit sour on him. He's in the 70s. Or someone like Aaron Gordon, who, look, I'll admit, I was way too low on him this year, and he's going to take a little hit with Jamal Murray and MPJ coming back, but he's number 65 right now, and his minutes are are guaranteed. They're locked in. Uh, who else is someone you could probably get back for Christian Wood right now? You could probably get Tyrese Maxey back, which is crazy, but nobody really knows when he's going to play. Alperin Sengun might be someone you could snatch. Josh Hart, who's basically putting up big man stats from the guard position. Maybe Marcus Smart, if you wanted to switch big man for small dude. I don't know if I'd go Jakob Pertl, but it's a little bit of a buy low there too. So, I, you know, again, this isn't so much as me saying Christian Wood is going to turn back into a top 150 guy. I just think that a couple of big ball games out of him, people have a hope over the last five days that they didn't have for Wood up until five days ago. Everybody was like, oh, no, he's done. Like, this is a disaster. It's just not going to happen. And now there's this this gut feeling for a lot of folks. They're like, oh, he's there's a chance. And so you should use that gut feeling to try to turn him into something that's a little more locked in, a little more safe, and then roll from there. All right, let's preview the Gigantor Friday because really, like, that's like there's two teams that don't play tonight. I think it's Utah and who? I don't know. It's two teams that played yesterday, right? Someone, someone. Who, who the hell am I? Let's play this game again. Who didn't play? No, Utah doesn't go on Sunday. They simply just don't go tonight. Oh, who are the teams that don't go tonight? The Warriors. Okay, we got that one. The Warriors don't go tonight. They go on Sunday. And then, yeah, Utah doesn't go tonight, but they don't go on Sunday. So Golden State's the only team that's not playing tonight. I can tell you right now with Golden State, I'm just watching to see if Dante DiVincenzo is actually going to play. That's 
literally the only thing to pay attention to with the Warriors. So in the rest of the NBA, uh, you're we got them all covered here. So let's roll through it. Lightning round, weekend preview here at the tail end of Fantasy NBA Today on this Week 10 show to wrap up Week 10. Spurs go again tonight. I am curious if Keldon Johnson here plays on the second half of the back-to-back. I think there's a uh, probably about a 50% chance that he does. The Spurs are going to be resting guys. You might see some of their other dudes sit here on the second half of the back-to-back after he was listed out for the first half. Although, you know, Keldon missed games earlier this week, so this could be actually just a small injury that they're going to give bonus time off for while racking up those delicious L's that the Spurs love so much right now. San Antonio 10 and 21 on the year. They're going to have to lose a few more if they want to catch the Rockets, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Anywho, Orlando with Wendell Carter Jr. coming back. Does he start? Do we dare anything with Mo Wagner? I think the answer is no, but then also pay attention to Markel Fultz and the uh, Cole Anthony battle going on there. I thought I had Cole Anthony on one of my lists. Oh, the watch list. I skipped right over the watch list. It's Andrew Nemhart, DeAndre Hunter, and Cole Anthony. I'm not going to go back to it, though. Whoops. Clippers. Um, not a whole lot, actually, to pay attention to with this team. I think, you you know, you kind of want to see what's going on with Evita Zubots. It seems like he's trending into a drop. Uh, Nick Batum, as we talked about. Philly, nothing. Toronto, nothing, really. Cleveland, nothing. Chicago, uh, no Alex Caruso in concussion protocol. Does that allow anyone else to have some value? Probably not. The Knicks, uh, really you're just watching to see whether or not Jalen Brunson's playing because that we got a little Emmanuel quickly slipping through as an injury replacement earlier this week. Detroit, I'm actually paying pretty close attention to Isaiah Stewart because I think right now he's turned into a guy that might be droppable or schedule streamable especially with Jalen Duran emerging as the center of the future on that team. Atlanta, not a whole lot there. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, what's his role here as the team gets healthy is probably the one thing to pay attention to. Minnesota, uh, the Austin Rivers stuff is actually pretty funny. Um, I said on yesterday's show we're almost definitely going to be way too late on this. I mean, I guess you can probably pick it up and just, if he's starting, you start him at this point. Maybe Kyle Anderson comes back. Keep an eye on that. Boston, uh, they got a, a flu running through their team right now, so we'll wait and see. Uh, Time Lord is questionable with uh, the, the flu, basically. It sounds like Marcus Smart is basically over his now. So yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, injury report on that team is going to be the only question mark. Milwaukee, nothing. Brooklyn, Watch Royce O'Neal. We're also watching TJ Warren's minutes just to see if they ever do bounce up to a uh, consistently startable number. I, I'm thinking probably not, but you never know. So we'll keep one eye on that. New Orleans. Um, Larry Nance is the guy. If he's, I mean, if he can get himself into this ball game here on the back-to-back, he'd be a wonderful play. If not, I think Trey Murphy is about as far as I'm willing to go. With this team, we, we you know we saw Najee Marshall pick up some minutes, but it hasn't really been consistently enough. CJ McCollum did a lot of this stuff yesterday. We already talked about Herb Jones being someone that I think you can just sort of add and kind of see how it goes. Oklahoma City, nothing. Dallas, we already talked about Christian Wood. I think he's, I think he's at a sell high moment right now. Believe it or not, unless you want to see if maybe he gets going further. I just 
I think we may be at the right point on that curve. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's sort of a constant watch to make sure he doesn't go ice cold again. But if he stays even remotely close to, like, half warm, then he should be continue to roster. Houston, it sounds like Eric Gordon is likely to miss a ball game, which is really interesting because the last time he did was on a back-to-back. Here, it's not that. This is an actual injury, uh, which means we might get a pathway to K.J. Martin. We might get a pathway to Tari Eason. Keep a very close watch on what's going on in Houston. Like, I don't know that I'd add either of those guys. If you were, you'd probably add Eason and just kind of hope it sticks. Because we've seen the fantasy upside there, which not quite as high with KJ, but you know this is a really interesting spot, and they don't play for a couple of days, which I guess is a little annoying. Most teams don't. Could Gordon be back on the other side of that break? Probably, but it's a great data point for us. Indiana, you're watching Neesmith, you're watching Nemhart, just to see if those guys can actually carve out enough fantasy stuff. And also, you know, with the Lakers season in jeopardy, and they'll be coming up in a couple seconds here on this weekend preview. Do they have to just pull the trigger now and try to stay afloat? I think we're supposed to get an Anthony Davis update later today, so stay tuned on that one. But let's say some of those guys get moved. Buddy Heald gets moved. Miles Turner gets moved. All those guys see a bump up because those dudes are just taking shots. And frankly, that's what we need out of Nemhard right now. We need him taking shots, touching the basketball. We need Neesmith taking shots, touching the basketball. Miami, Victor Oladipo is the guy we're watching. Portland, nothing. Denver, it might have their guys back for this ballgame, so that would certainly be a spot to look at. Probably a fadeable game, frankly, if they're getting two of their studs back into the mix. That seems like a great game for a letdown. Just a bit more sports betting thing. Memphis, nothing really there. Uh, oh, Desmond Bain actually might be back, so not nothing there. Almost forgot. We got that word yesterday in the afternoon. He's targeting a return and it might be in this ballgame. That would be huge for the Grizzlies and a lot of fantasy teams that I know. Phoenix, uh, Devin Booker already ruled out, so I, I don't know if Landry Shamit's going for 30 again. I'd still trust Torrey Craig more. CP3 not on the injury report. Great news there after he banged his shoulder in that last ballgame. Wizards, hoping we get Kristaps Porzingis back for this one. That would render most other situations on that team uh, useless. You don't even have to bother looking into them. Sacramento, nothing. Charlotte, I guess you can keep watching Gordon Hayward. I really would strongly recommend you do. And this is a game where maybe he gets going because the Lakers without AD can't guard anybody. So maybe this is the one where Gordon has a better ball game, but he just looks so slow out there. And for the Lakers, sounds like Russ is back. We don't know about Austin Reeves. He's questionable. Keep an eye on Lonnie Walker. Keep an eye on Austin Reeves. And then obviously Thomas Bryant as the fill-in. But the big thing with the Lakers is, do we get an update on Anthony Davis? I very much hope so. And that is your Friday Weekend Review, Weekend Preview Edition. Merry Christmas, everybody. Back with you Monday with a late episode on Monday. I want to say again, Monday the 26th will be a late release Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Weekend Recap Edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you, everybody, for listening for another week. Have a magical holiday, whatever you may be doing, and we'll talk to you in a few days. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you over on Twitter, everybody. It's at Dan Vespers over there. So long. So long.